We've been talking about the prayer as a weapon. Prayer is personal, prayer is corporate, and prayer is a weapon. Today, I want to just cover a couple of areas for us, starting with strategic prayer. Moving to the idea of the power of agreement, and then the wonderfulness of the aid of the Holy Spirit. So we have some scriptures that just kind of, you know, embody it. And you'll see that in the bulletin. There's many, many scriptures. I say to you that if two of you agree on earth, it's important on earth. We can't be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. Concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, that is the high priest, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possessions. Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Pretty encouraging scriptures. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Such is our reading this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Now we ask that you would break this bread for this people and for us in our lives. In Jesus' name. Strategic prayer. Number one, prayer is not a quick fix for some difficult situation. No, but it, what it does do, it helps us discern his priorities and develop his strategies. Absolutely. Prayer 
takes action along with time. Time in his presence, as we have discovered the importance of relationship. In it producing trust and obedience. Sometimes prayers are like the scatter bomb. They have no direct target. It's not that they're not that's not a good thing. It kind of clears the debris out of the way. But you still have to locate the enemy. And with strategic praying, there is a specific target that you begin to focus upon because the Spirit has revealed the placement of it and the spirit that is behind it. It is praying, as it were, on sight with insight. While you may not be present physically, yet there is a illumination and there's almost like a spiritual, uh, you know, Catching away, where you become part of the arena and you're able to see with the eyes of the Spirit. I hope that's not frightening. But eye has not seen and ear has not heard, neither in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love Him, but He has revealed them to us. So there is an arena. Of illumination that the Spirit is able to bring, not only in the promises of God, but in the battle. So, as you begin to pray strategically, let us not just pray about fixing the problem, but praying. And declaring his purposes. Because God's ultimate plan is transformation. Not just elimination. Yes. To pray beyond the problem. And begin to declare his promises. Ask of me and I will give you the nations as referring to Jesus for your inheritance based upon promise. Sometimes in prayer we're distracted by the situation, distracted by the discrepancies that seem to exist out of line with the promises of God. But I believe that in strategic praying, our prayers need to be 
focused and channeled in God's increasing kingdom and not the world's crumbling system. How much of our conversation is about the world's crumbling system rather than the increasing of God's kingdom? Amen? It was the Isaiah the prophet that said, the increase of his government, there shall be no end. Hallelujah. A motivation to know that this, this kingdom of God is an ever-increasing kingdom in spite of what seems like discrepancies. Hallelujah. That, of course, should move our hearts to pray the kingdom of God into the earth. Amen? It is not, you know, it is not, you know, ignoring it or, uh, you know, putting our head in the sand, but it is knowing that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You see, the devil will just laugh at your javelin, but he trembles at your prayers. I don't want you to pray because it is a weapon of force. It is like calling in air support into the earth and into your situation. It was through the avenue of prayer and particularly strategic prayer that Peter was released from the prison and the chains that bound them. Air support came in because an angel came and began to loose and untie the situation prayer in strategic prayer you are not always praying against things but you're praying that God's purposes would prevail God's not willing that any should perish and so you pray for that soul that may be perishing, that it will not perish, but it will be rescued. Jesus, when he knew that Peter was going to be confronted with a very challenging moment, he specifically prayed for Peter's Faith. It wasn't that he would be excluded from the moment, but that his faith would stand up in the moment. Yes. Be not soon shaken in 
mind. I believe that it was Peter that wrote that. This is a close one. But in strategic praying, we need to address the sin issues. Those dying carcasses in the land. Sometimes we're fighting the devil, and we need to deal with the dying carcass. You see, the enemy has a foothold because of sins. A foothold. And so you don't just rebuke the enemy unless you deal with what's attracting the buzzards. Hallelujah. He rides in on sin. There is an antidote, and of course, it is the blood of Jesus Christ. In strategic praying for yourself, you need to pray for obedient heart. And then for lives that demonstrate that holiness of, of the Lord. Because that attracts heaven. Rotting carcasses attracts the buzzards. Holiness and righteousness attracts the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. So, those little keys of what is it that you want? What is the specifics? I want my sight. I want my healing. I want the salvation of. Those strategic prayers that include the promise. Hallelujah. Amen. Now comes the next one that I want to talk about this morning and probably spend more time with, and that is the power of agreement. If two of you shall agree on earth concerning anything, I, some pretty powerful words. Matthew 16 and 18 says that whatever you 
bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and vice versa. The subject matter is the power of unity in agreement for the church. It's not Peter. It's the church. Yes. Not simply a single individual, but a unified church. A church in agreement with a specific request. Psalms 133, we read it. A good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Acts 1 and 14 says, and they joined together constantly together. They raised their voices together. They were all with one accord together. Hallelujah. The power of agreement. Means to have harmony. Means to be similar in thought and unity and agreement and it's like a symphony. The power of prayer is powerful, but the power of agreement is even more powerful. Praying together is like igniting a boiler and not just a candle. Both are valid, but there's something about you coming into the presence of God, the throne of grace, and you're not just coming alone. You're coming to gather. And it says that just all of a sudden it has an impact in the throne room. There's an exceptional guarantee that comes with it. Yes, that's what it says. Hallelujah. It's interesting because with praying together, you can accomplish more, and it has a greater reward. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 9 and 12, it says, two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor Two can withstand, but a threefold cord is not easily broken. The power of agreement. Snowflakes by themselves individually are frail. But you get enough of them together, and they can cause a traffic jam, right? Amen? That's what he's showing us. The power of agreement together. Heaven has a major response. I think that the power of agreement is, 
you know, a greatly untapped resource that we have is the church. Yes. While I believe in personal prayer, I am strong for corporate prayer. Oh, yes. With corporate prayer, you are not simply privatizing your faith. With corporate prayer, you can share one another's burdens. It's amazing in corporate prayer how you get more than just one perspective. Hallelujah. It's so insightful. Yes. See, it's just not relationship with God. It's relationship with God's body. In personal prayer, you will grow grow closer to God. In corporate prayer, you will grow closer to the body. Hallelujah. The power of agreement was so powerful that at the scene of the Tower of Babel, God gives us a picture of how agreement can be successful even if it's for a wrong cause. God looked down and it says this. Indeed, the people are as one and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they purpose to do will be held from them. Even wrong can have success. When there's agreement, the power of agreeing together. It is Psalms 133. It shows us that it is the power of agreement that brings the anointed presence and saturates. And there, there is a blessing that is commanded. Oh, hallelujah. When Jesus got ready to introduce the Holy Spirit, you know, to the world, he got them all together. Yes. What do we mean by agreement? It's to have more than shared goals. It's called a sacred trust. A sacred trust. 
endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bonds of peace. It's together that we nurture our union and our unity of the spirit in him. Satan works overtime to divide and to conquer. Jesus showed the importance of unity. He said every kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. It's brought to desolation. Recently, of course, in the political scenes, the word has been predominant of trying to stay unified for a particular reason or or cause. Unity. It's a pillar. It's a pillar in our house. It's a pillar in your in your personal house. It's a pillar in the house of God. It's a necessary pillar wherever we go and whatever we do. In Isaiah chapter 5, he is he, he he's he's grieved because the vineyard that's supposed to be producing amazing fruit is failing because there's the divisive powers that are existing and they're causing the vintage to spoil. Micah chapter 7 mourns that same thing. Why should we be united? The scripture says that we are joined and we're jointed. We share the same life source. For by one spirit all you are baptized into one body. Oh, hallelujah. It's more than an allegiance. It's more than, you know, a uh, merger or agreement. It is that we share the same life. Absolutely. It's living in close relationship with each other. It was Jesus' prayer. Father, I pray that they would be one even as I and you are one. You and me, I and you, and we and them. Hallelujah. I like what the prophet said in in Isaiah 65. Thus says the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster. And one says, do not destroy it for... A blessing is in it. The blessing is found in the cluster and not the individual grape. Oh, hallelujah. We are joined and jointed. Ephesians tells us that. In chapter 4, we are joined and 
jointed. How many are glad for the joints? See this? It's a joint that's got a problem. (laughs) It wasn't set right many, many years ago. And it has its limitations as a result of that, that aspect. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Our connection the variableness, the uniqueness. The cluster. Why togetherness? Because we started out with the new wine. Is found in the grouping or the cluster. Yes. It's that sharing of the same Life. And when we take the Lord's Supper, that's the image that he's trying to give to us. We share in the same life. That's the strong reason. With the differences that we may have in sometimes the theological aspects, we still have one Father. One spirit, one savior, and one body. Now, how can you tell when God is about to make new wine from the cluster? Some grapes start to whine. That's right. Yes, the pressure starts, and they cry. They're a little bit concerned about the grapes around them. Now those grapes are hindering their giftings. Their calling, their dream. I'm losing my identity. Hallelujah. (laughs) Yes, it's a Pressing us together. Pressure. That brings out the new wine. 
the world says it's about you. God says it's about my body. Yes. Paul writes and tells us how that individualism hinders The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't have any need of you. And he goes on and compares other parts of the body. As we have many members in one body, but all members don't have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. not simply about our function it's about our relationship hallelujah we'll take some time with that it's not all about you it's all about us and the us is all about him. Yes. Jesus prayed for it. Jesus longed for it. What is it that gives this arm or these legs or these members flexibility? It's the joints, isn't it? It's the joints. We are joined and we are jointed. And when Jesus said, Oh, ye stiff necked generation, he's saying, You're not allowing the jointedness, the connecting factor, and the difference factors. They're becoming. You know what I mean? You are stiff. You are stiff. You don't have room. Jesus was telling those people back there. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's not for us, but... Yes. In this element of agreement and unity, there are three essentials, and that is there's got to be mutual contact. See, when Laura was inspiring us, she's just doing Bible stuff. You need to have mutual contact. Hallelujah. I know it's quiet, but <laughs> if we want the new wine, the more participation, the stronger we get. That which every joint supplies. 
God is not just about getting you saved. He's about making the body strong. I don't need that. Oh. Mutual concern. Do you know that there are 59 references to one another in the New Testament? One another. And it not only has that, but it has a mutual sense of contribution. Not only what you give by recognition about your giving. Hallelujah. We all have strengths, we all have weaknesses. And that's why we need one another. Unity and togetherness is so powerful that Jesus says that that is his strategy for world evangelism. By this you shall all men know. Not only that his disciples, but he says that the way that they're going to really know that God loves is by us being together and united. Spirit and in, in heart. This togetherness, it overcomes our limitations. limitations I'm glad that we have worship leaders I'm glad that we have lay pastors I'm glad that we have Sunday school teachers I'm glad that we have all of the functions and offices that make it work together Helps us to overcome our limitations. Yes. So how do we get in agreement? First of all, I believe that we need to get in agreement with God's word. Yes. Align our living as much as possible with God's word. Establish your heart in God's word. I believe that there are times that we need to run a harmony check. If you're angry with your brother, don't just let it rest. Go to him. Talk to him. Somebody sins against you, approach him in a, as Paul said, you know, 
in a humble and gentle way. Sometimes it's necessary in order for reconciliation to take place that they might need an intermediary. Paul did that for Onesiphorus. As he tried to bring him back, he said, if there is anything that is owed, put it on my account. Do it because you know me. Do it because of our relationship. Because unity is so important. Hallelujah. So important that God said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't give him more than a day. (laughs) Hallelujah. You know? I mean, if you've got problems, just let it be. You know what I mean? Just a limited span, because you will have issues. But because we're family, we share in the same life source. In other words, what he's saying is the relationship takes priority over the differences. Over the differences. Together. Together. How do we get to togetherness? According to Ephesians... Chapter 4, I believe it is, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bonds of peace, we discover that the point of unity is the point of agreement. We come to, uh, you know, a conclusion. We settle the matter. And the appointment, the point of agreement is the point of power. The new wine is found in the cluster. If two of you shall agree as touching any one thing, it shall be done for them. I like what Deuteronomy 32 and 30 says. If one can chase a thousand, two can chase two thousand? No. No. Two can chase 10,000. The power of unity, the power of agreement. We're not going to get to the Holy Spirit today, I don't think, but I ask my musicians to come. We will get to it next week. Thank you. The cross is God's passion for unity. Yes, think about it, church, this morning.
For he himself is our peace. Hallelujah. Our source of life and our reason for peace with God, the fellow man, is Jesus Christ, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. The cross is God's passion for unity. In that blood-soaked cross, that brutal tool of execution, now has become the tool and the power of unity. Unity. That someone has bridged the gap for unity's sake. Not only God and man, but man and man. Despite our differences, we share a common life. That's right. A common life, the life of God, the life of the Holy Spirit. We share the common life of the blood of Jesus. We share the common power of Jesus. That's his resurrection. This thing is so important. It says that the world being evangelized in believing is connected to our unity. Yes. There will be others, he says, that will join you. I do not pray for these alone, but for those that shall believe because of your word. The word is because they see as we stand this morning. our agreement. It was Peter on the day of Pentecost that began to let us know that the body and the value of diversity that's to be in the body. When he says, you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. John chapter 10, verse 16, other sheep have I that are not of this fold. Oh, hallelujah.
Diversity. Diversity. I love what Paul writes in Romans chapter 15. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not please our selves. He says, you gotta, if you're the strong one, be the strong one. Love and character and gentleness and understanding. Don't reject. Don't hold outside your circle. Bring them into your inner circle. Yes. Hallelujah. We're all different. But we have a common bond and source of life. The Savior. The Savior. Do all have the same ability and giftings? No. But you know we're supposed to appreciate the degree and the level, whether it's, you know, wow or oh. <laughs> yeah. Just. Do these two hands ever, they don't fight each other, do they, Gordy? No, they usually work together. They, they work together. <laughs> you know? And that's why he uses the body. The only reason that the, this body starts to malfunction inappropriately is when the communication from the head is not reaching it, the members. The only reason it does, right? No. I don't know all the specifics of it, you know what I mean, but the electrical codes or whatever. It's when it is out of touch with the head. And then, you know, it doesn't function right. It doesn't function in harmony. It's doing things that's not normal for it to do. Or it's not doing things that it's normal to do because what is coming from the head, you know, is not making it to the member. And that's why Psalms 133 says how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity because what's coming down from the head is getting into the body and what's coming down and running into the body is reaching the whole, even the garments of the body. Give the Lord a praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If we want to break the devil's back, 
We want to go ahead and break. You know what I mean? You're scheming. Work at being united. Hallelujah. With one another. Because when you are united with one another, you're going to improve the flow that comes from the head. Hallelujah. For the new wine is found in the cluster. Somebody give the Lord a praise. It's not found in my talent. It's not found in my office. It's not found in my gift. It's found in our togetherness. Hallelujah. Yes, absolutely. Does that gift have a place? Yes. Does that function? Is it valuable? Yes. But only when it has and functions for the right reason. It does not say, hello, I'm the hand. It says, no, see the body. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell the church in this hour and in this day, is that when the world begins to see my body, they are going to begin to see me. And they're going to understand, hallelujah, the glory of the Lord in the midst of his church. And how important this is in the fact that the world is so divided. Where can you go and find oneness anymore? Where can you go and find togetherness? You know, at least for the right cause in the right reason. Amen? Amen. Some will, some will join together. You know what I mean? But they got the wrong reason and they got the wrong cause. If I... Be lifted up. I will draw all men on to me. Hallelujah. Amen. Give the Lord another praise. Praise the name of Jesus. Let me say this. It's one thing that this church has always done so wonderfully is the unity and the togetherness. I haven't had to deal with those divisive things in my ministry. We've always been able to solve our problems, you know, and remain united. But sometimes you'll have to absorb the debt in order to go ahead and maintain the unity. That's what Paul was doing with Onephrosis. He said, I'm going to absorb the debt uh, on his behalf for the sake of, sake of unity. Praise God. Now, if you remember back, Paul Tucker, it's been a number of years now, but he said that God has said, I'm going to bring in people and they're going to be diverse. Do you know what diverse means? 
different. <laughs> different. Yeah. Hallelujah. Different. Jesus says, I got some sheep that are out there that need a place to be shepherd. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. We need to have unity in our private relationships. And it will then enhance our unity in our corporate relationship. Amen? I don't know. We, oh, we got to close. I know that. Praise the Lord. But, oh, hallelujah. Let's sing something. All oh, the Holy Spirit, you know, give him a chance to work. We are, the, the, thing, the two things that he just stood out to me, he said, you are joined and you're jointed. The jointed makes it functional. Hallelujah. It makes it functional. You take away the jointedness, you know what I mean? And the function is diminished greatly. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Therefore, receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. I'm not sure why there's such a, you know, unction in this, this segment of it. But apparently God is getting us ready. Amen. Hallelujah. To receive those that are not quite like us. Because we were not quite like Christ when he received us. Father, we thank you this morning that your body is a many-membered body and every one of those members are loved as part of that body. And so as your church, I pray today the same prayer that Jesus prayed, not only for my life, but for the life of this church and for the life of your church across the world that we might be one. Father, is you and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one. Oh God, that the world might believe that you, Jesus, have been sent. And we go with that mandate today that we are called to unity and that there is power in togetherness. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed today. God bless you. Amen. God love you.